Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen, amen. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles out and go with me to Acts chapter number 13. This is the story of us. We've been in a series in the book of Acts that we call the story of us. The reason why we call it the story of us is because at the beginning of the book of Acts, it says that this is a continuation of the things that Jesus began both to teach and to do. How many of you know Jesus is still teaching today? Come on. Jesus is still teaching us today, isn't he? And how many of you know that Jesus is still doing things on the earth today? Can anybody give a whoot and a holler about that, right? Jesus is alive and well, and he's still moving in and through his church. So this is not just the story of them. No, this is the story of us. We are the church today. And the title of today's specific message is Priority Focused Living. Priority focused living. Let me just set the stage for you. Paul and Barnabas have been traveling. They've just come off of the island that they were on that we were talking about last time we were together. And now here they've hit the mainland. It's said that Paul encountered some sort of a sickness and that he ended up going up into the mountainous region. This is the region called Galatia. Okay, this is where we get our book of Galatians from that was written to the people in this area. And so here he is. He's planting churches. Here he is. He's preaching the gospel. He's going out. And as a Jewish man with a Jewish companion, they did what Jews do on the Sabbath day, on Saturday, right? They kept the Sabbath holy, and they went to church. Now, they called it the synagogue at that time, and so they went into the synagogue, and as was the custom, they read through the reading of the law for that day, and then at the end of that, the leader of the synagogue reaches out to Paul and Barnabas. Now, these are new guys, right? But Paul, if you remember, was a Pharisee. This guy was very educated. He would have been considered to be a Jewish rabbi. And so you would have been able to see that and tell that by the things that he wore. And so they probably saw this man come in, and they probably saw how he was dressed, and they said, wow, this guy is impressive. These guys know what they're doing. And so he reaches out and says, hey, if you have anything, any word of encouragement to say, go ahead and say it. And boy, did Paul ever have something to say. You can read it this week when you have some time. Uh, sit down and read from Acts chapter 13, verse number 13, all the way through the end, okay? We don't have time to cover everything that he said, but he preaches a three-point sermon to them. Let me give you the highlights just for a moment. Number one thing he does is from the history of Israel, he shows them something that they knew, that there was a promised Messiah that was coming. That was point number one. Point number two that he preaches to them is that Jesus is that promised Messiah. He shows it from the scriptures, and he shows it from recent history because people knew about Jesus. Word had got out that there was a man that stirred up all kinds of controversy in Jerusalem and in the nation of Israel, that he went about doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. His fame and his renown went out, and they heard that he was crucified on a cross and that he was proved to be raised from the dead three days later. They would have understood that. The word had gotten out. It was a small, tight-knit community of Jews at that time in the Roman provinces. And so here, through the networks of the, the, the churches, if you will, the synagogues, they would have heard about the things that were happening in Jerusalem, and the word would have gotten out by this time. And so he declares that Jesus is the Christ, and then point number three of his three-point sermon is simply this, that anyone who believes on Jesus for forgiveness of sins can receive that forgiveness, and now they can be justified in the presence of God. Where the law couldn't do it, where the law was weak and unprofitable, the Bible says, now the power of Jesus' blood and his resurrection can now bring us into the place of eternal life. What a sermon. What an amazing thing he talks about. 
Now here we pick up the story in Acts chapter 13, verse number 42, and I'm going to read down through verse number 52. Now I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. You're welcome to read it in whatever translation you have. But Acts chapter 13, starting in verse number 42, says this. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Let me just stop right there as a pastor and as a preacher, and let me just digress a little bit. Can I do that for I have never had anyone beg me saying, Pastor, that message was so good this week. Can we talk about that again next week? I, I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm just saying, all right? So here they are. They come and they beg Paul and Barnabas to come and speak to them these same things next week. Verse 43, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. So when they said, hey, will you tell us about this again? We believe it. We receive it. And they said, hey, continue in it as they often did. That was often Barnabas' ministry. Verse number 44, then the following week, look at this. Almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of God. They would have gone to their family. They would have gone to their friends, especially the proselytes to Judaism. These are the Gentiles who started following the ways of God and observing the Jewish customs and laws. Now they hear the word of God. They would have gone to their other relatives, other Gentiles, people in their community, and they would have said, hey, you've got to come to church with me next week. Man, this message, the Messiah, not just for the Jews, but for us also, come out and hear. And the whole city almost comes out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Verse number 45, but when some of the Jews saw the crowds, mm, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued, look at this, against whatever he said. Didn't matter it was true. Didn't matter that it was right. Didn't matter that it was the word of God. Didn't matter that he was using the same scriptures that they preach every week in the synagogues. Doesn't matter that he's giving to them the most precious gift that he could ever give them, and that is eternal life in Jesus Christ. The Bible says they argued against whatever he said. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly and declared it was necessary. Everybody say necessary. Come on, say it again. Say necessary. Those of you watching online, you can type that in the comments section, and hopefully autocorrect will make sure there's only one C and not two, right? I always mess that up. There's an N-E-C-C. Nope, nope, you just misspelled it. Paul spoke boldly and declared it was necessary, what? That we first preach the word of God to you Jews. It was necessary. Why? You'll find this principle in Romans chapter number one, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He had a mission. He had a priority. And it started in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. So he says it was necessary that we come and preach this to you first. But since you've rejected it and have judged yourselves, look at this, unworthy of eternal life, that drives me crazy because I want everyone to have the same amazing relationship with Jesus that I have. I want people to know the power of his salvation. I want people to know the intimate fellowship and the joy and the spirit of God and the grace that I have. And yet there are going to be people who just don't want it. And he says, you've judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Look at this. We offer it to the Gentiles. Verse 47, for the Lord gave us his command when he said, I've made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Probably quoting from the book of Habakkuk. Verse number 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. 
and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. Now, I believe that's less of a statement of theology and more of a statement of fact, okay? And if you guys want to learn more about that, I would encourage you to talk to Pastor Teresa about getting the Bible college later on, okay? Because they will unpack some of those things. You say, well, which one's true, Pastor? There's plenty of scriptures for both, all right? So did we choose God or did God chose us? Yes. Praise the Lord. All right. Look at what it says in verse number 49. It says, so the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Verse number 50, then the Jews stirred up influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. This will be a reoccurring theme throughout the rest of the Apostle Paul's ministry and life. Trouble seemed to follow him everywhere he went, named religious persecution. And he would go, and he would continue to go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And oftentimes you'll see the Jews bringing up mobs coming against them, but also the Gentiles at times had riots and things that took place, all because Paul and Barnabas were offering them eternal life in Jesus Christ. And he goes in verse number 51, it says, So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. This was something, this was common practice in that day. In fact, Jesus said, if people reject your message, I want you to wipe the dust off your feet as you leave. So what they would do is they'd get to the border of the city, and as they leave, as a sign against that town, they would say, I, I'm not even going to receive the dirt of this town on my feet. I'm just going to kick that off and make sure the dirt stays, because I don't even like the dirt of this place. It's been rejected. They've rejected the message. Therefore, they have been rejected, and I'm not even going to carry that dust into the next place. It was saying that you've rejected the message, and now you're being rejected. We're moving on, but we're not even going to let any of that continue with us. And notice the attitude that they have. Notice the attitude they have. And the believers were filled with rage, and so they posted on social media how bad that place was. Is that what your Bible says? So they went to the newspapers, and they had a press conference, and they talked about how stupid these people are. Is that, is that what it says? No, the believers, they really moved on, didn't they? Because the believers were filled with what? With joy and with the Holy Spirit as believers should be. I believe that they had their priorities in line and in focus. And because of that, they were able to wipe the dust off and forget about the past and move forward with what God had them to do. And because of that, they didn't let that rejection and that mean mob mentality come against them and, and, and sour them. No, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, which comes with the spiritual gift of joy. Wow. And for all of us, I believe that there are blessings that God wants in our lives. I believe that there are things that God wants to unlock and open up, purpose and destiny. And a priority-focused life will unlock those things. Do you want to be blessed in your marriage? It's okay to, to holler back at the preacher today. Do you want to be blessed in your marriage? Those of you that are married, do you want your children blessed? You want your business blessed? You want your witness blessed? You want your community blessed? Absolutely, we all do, but when we have the wrong priorities... Hello, we'll end up without the blessings of God. But when we get things right in line and in order with God, God says, that's a life that I can bless. And so today, I want to talk to you about priority-focused living. If you're going to live your priority, there's got to be some things that come in line, some things that take place, and we see these things from the story of us here in Acts chapter number 13. First thing is this, living your priority. Number one is your heart will set your priority. Your heart will set your priority. There was a woman who had to go and get rhinoplasty. She couldn't breathe out of one side of her nose, and so she went down to the doctor, and she got 
plastic surgery done. They repaired it and opened it up. And while she was there on the table, her spirit went out of her body and she went into a room. And there in the room was an angel and a chair and there was a door. And she came up and she looked at this massive angel and she said, oh my goodness, a- am I dead? Am I going to heaven? I- I- I'm so young. I'm only 60 years old. And the angel said, oh, no, 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 calm down. Hold on a second. You- you're just, you're on the table there. And your body's been worked on. And so this is just kind of a, a waiting area, a waiting room until uh, I can send you back. You're not going to die yet. You've got 40 more years on the earth. You're going you're gonna to live to be 100. And she's, Wow that's amazing news. Thank you so much. So when the surgery was over, the angel said, oh, okay, it's time for you to go back. And so he says, I'll see you in about 40 years. See you later. And then you can go through the door. And she says, wonderful. So she goes back. She wakes up from the surgery and she goes, you know what? Since I'm in the hospital anyways, and I got 40 more years to live, why stop in the nose, you know? And she talked to the doctor. She said, I want the eyes. I want the ears done. I want those bee stung lips. Come on and, and go ahead and give me a little nip and a tuck and suck some fat out of here and place it here, right? She got the works done. She got everything done. She said, if I'm living another 40 years, I'm going to live it right, okay? And so she, she got her whole body worked on. And after she had her healing time in, in the, the hospital there, she went out and she walked out to go to her car and a bus ran through the stoplight and ran her over and she died she ends up back in the room and the angel looks at her stands up and opens the door and she says wait a second hold on I was just here and you told me that I had another 40 years to live what's that all about and he goes oh wait is that you I didn't even recognize you (laughs) see our hearts will set our priority there are many people in the world their priority is their looks their priority is fame fortune wealth money pleasures, all kinds of things, but your heart will show what your priority is. Here in Paul's sermon that he preaches, like I said, you can read through it sometime this week. There were two men that came up in Paul's sermon from the scriptures. One of them was Old Testament. One of them was New Testament. The first one is King David. David had a heart that set his priority. Let's take a look at it in Acts chapter 13, verse number 22. I'll read this to you now in the New King James Version, all right? Acts chapter 13, verse number 22 in the New King James says this. It says, and when he had removed, and this is talking about God removing the former king, King Saul, who would not obey the word of the Lord. It says, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own, what's that word right there? Oh, come on, shout it at me. What's that word? Uh, why, why don't you online put your favorite color heart emoji in the comments section? Because David was found to be a man after God's own heart. David didn't stop pursuing God's heart. You know that statement, if you look it up in the Old Testament, that's actually said after he committed murder and adultery and sinned. David didn't make the same mistakes over and over again. He continued to grow and continued to follow the Lord throughout his lifetime. And look at what it concludes, who will do all my will. God was looking for a ruler who would obey him, not because uh, of just a religious experience, not to just do whatever was in it for him. No, David had a heart after God's own heart. And because of that, David was shepherding the people. David cared for the people. David protected the people. David loved the people. God says that was the reason why he raised him up is because his heart priority was that, God, you are first in all things. God, you are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That meant that God was leading David, and because of that, God knew that David would do all of his will. The second man that we see in the sermon is John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a similar heart. He had a purpose that God had given him. And he wanted to exalt Jesus in that purpose and not himself. You see this in Acts chapter 13, verse 25. 
It says, and as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he. Notice the capital H. He says, I'm not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. He says, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to lose. He says, I can't even bend down and touch the laces of his Nikes. And here's the reason why, because he is greater than I am. He is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ, and I can't even come and touch his sandal straps. I can't even loose his shoes off of his feet. Look at John chapter 3, verse 30. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. That was the heart of John. I'm going to back out of the focus, out of the limelight. You're all looking at me right now because I'm wearing camel skins and, and, a, and a leather belt and eating locusts and honey and preaching fire down from heaven, baptizing people. You think I'm something great, but let me tell you something. I'm nothing. I'm not even worthy to untie this man's sandal strap that's coming after me. Look to Jesus, and he backed out of the light, and he let Jesus take center stage. That was the part. That was the purpose, and that was the passion of John the Baptist's life. And you can tell the priority of someone by what comes out of them. Specifically, you can find it about what they talk about. Because the Bible tells that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. So you can tell someone's priority if you just listen long enough. Because they will tell on themselves, won't they? You'll be able to tell if somebody has the wrong priorities. You'll hear about worldly endeavors, right? You're going to hear criticisms coming out, vain pursuits, fleshly things, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of wealth. You'll hear the lies that they have believed from the enemy coming out. They might parrot things that they've heard on social media or on the news media. They, they might tell you things that seem wise to man in the education and philosophy systems of this world, in the political systems, in those realms. You will hear those things that are their priorities. You will hear them talk about themselves if they're proud or if they want attention or accolades from man, they will constantly puff themselves up and build themselves up, and that's all you'll hear is that unholy trinity of me, myself, and I coming out of them. You'll know their priority. If their priority is pleasure, you'll hear about their next greatest, latest, greatest uh, escapade or thing that they're doing. If their priority is perversion, you'll hear them talking about those things. If their priority is entertainment or sports or any of those things, those will be the things that come out of them. But when we have our priority, when we have our hearts set on the Lord, you can tell the priority because you'll hear about God. The word of the Lord will come out of their lives. If somebody has a priority on God, then you'll hear about God's church. Why? Because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is building something on the earth today. He has a focus and a passion on the earth today. And when someone has a priority on God, they'll have a priority on the church not just a building, you and I, the body of Christ, the one that Jesus loves, his bride. You'll hear it. You'll hear about evangelism. You'll hear about who they're looking to go and preach to, to tell the good news to. You'll hear about godly things like faith and encouragement, all because they have their hearts set. Pastor, what do I do if I don't have the right heart? What do I do if my heart is set on the wrong thing? Maybe God is pointing some things out today and shining some light in some areas that you're going to have got the wrong priorities. Here's what you do. You repent. That means that you were going this way, you recognize it, you realize you have a change of heart and mind, and you turn and you go God's way. In prayer, you can say, God, I turn from my way. God, I have the wrong priorities. God, and I'm setting my heart on the right things. God, I'm setting my heart on your word. I'm setting my heart on your church. God, I'm setting my heart on evangelism and bringing the gospel to others. Those things that are important to your heart, God, they're now important to me. 
And as you continue on and you notice that there are those areas, maybe your heart starts going after money or starts going after pleasure or starts going after the wrong things, the desire for other things. When you see those things drawing you away, that's when you allow the anchor of your hope in Jesus Christ to bring you back and you say, God, I turn from that way and God, I'm going to keep going with you. Remember, David wasn't perfect. David allowed his lust to move him to murder and to commit adultery and to have a great big cover-up. And yet, David had a heart that when he was confronted, when he realized it, he repented and he kept going after God. And you and I can do the same thing. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a praise. So your heart will set your priority. Second thing, though, is this, is that obedience will carry out the priority obedience will carry out that priority. No, I don't always feel like doing what God tells me to do. Pastor, that's shocking. You're a pastor, absolutely, but I'm also a man. I also live in a flesh body. Listen, I'm anointed to preach this, but I'm no more anointed to live it than you are. We all are in this together, and we all have to live out our faith. And what we set our hearts on, there's going to be things, because there's a battle in the flesh, and there's a battle in the spirit that comes against us, Right? There's an enemy who will try and hinder us and stop us, and so obedience will carry out that priority. If it's a priority in here, then your obedience will make it a priority out here. Are you listening? I remember early on in my Christian walk, I had gone to a Bible study and had walked there. It was a local Bible study in town, and when I was walking home, there's this long street that I had to go down, and on both sides were big cinder block walls. And uh, so I'm walking down the street, and I looked up ahead, and I noticed that there was a guy coming at me. Now, this guy looked me, okay, dressed in all black. It was a hot day, too. I was in, like, shorts and a T-shirt, had my Bible under my hand, you know. And this guy's coming at me. He's wearing, like, all black, long sleeve, long pants and that sort of thing, big boots. And, you know, had long black hair and kind of a gothic-looking guy. And he's walking at me like a WWE commercial, you know, the world wrestling thing. You know, he's kind of like just walking at me. And I'm, I'm getting intimidated on the inside. You know, we're in Moreno Valley, okay, and uh, a little bit rough in some areas of Mo Valley. And so I grew up there, and, and so here I am walking at this guy. I'm looking at this guy, and I'm going, ooh, what am I going to do? Like, this guy looks kind of crazy, looks kind of mad, looks kind of mean, you know. And so I'm walking, and the Lord whispers to my heart, well, why don't you tell him Jesus loves him? And, and, and I, I just was like, um, Lord, if I tell him that, this guy looks like he's going to put me in a headlock and body slam me or something. You know, like, I, I don't think I want to go there. And God says, no, I want you to tell him that Jesus loves him. And so I, I pictured myself, you know, walking by and smiling and saying, Jesus loves you, and then ducking, waiting for the, the punch to come, you know, or something. And, and I said, Lord, I don't think I can do that. And God says, no, I want you to do that. And I said, Lord, no, I'm not doing that. And God says, no, you are. You're, you're going to tell him, Jesus, that when he comes by, I want you to tell him Jesus. And this voice got louder and louder. And lo the closer I got to this guy, the louder the voice got. I probably looked like I was demon-possessed or something like that because I'm like <laughs> trying to walk. I can't even walk. The guy probably went, you know, a little ways away from me. Like, this dude looks weird. Is he going to body slam me or something? You know, like. And we walked right on past each other. And I turned the corner. I heard the voice of the Lord say, are you going to disobey me? I said, oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me, I ran back around the corner. Remember, long street, cinder block walls on both sides. The guy is gone. I don't know if he was an angel. I don't know if he ran away. I don't know if I just couldn't see him because it was so hot that a mirage hit him or that he jumped someone's fence and robbed their house. I don't know what happened. You know, Marino Valley, anything can happen, you know. 
And, and so I don't know what happened, but I heard the voice of the Lord say, don't disobey me again. And I committed right then and there, Lord, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And I've heard that whisper throughout my life as a Christian over the past 25 years where God has said, hey, will you share with that checkout clerk at the register? Just let them know Jesus loves them. And I've been able to see people just burst into tears and say, I needed that today. I needed to hear from God. I was crying out and praying. We've had the most amazing experience in parks or on vacations where we said, God, we just want to do your will. And Lord, I know it's a vacation. We're supposed to be off. But Lord, we're never off of mission. We're never not a Christian. And so God, if you want to show up, if you want to interrupt this vacation, God, it's your vacation. It's your life. And we've been able to witness to people in different various places. Uh, uh, we had an Uber ride one time. It was the best Uber ride of our life where we got to share the gospel with somebody. And at the end, they prayed and received the Lord as their Savior. And we gave them a big old tip afterwards, not just the gospel. We give them a, a big money tip as well, and we were just blessed to be able to do that. God has taken us on an adventure, and obedience will take you places that you never dreamt. It will take you to places. It's hard. It's going to come against your flesh. You're going to feel like a crazy person. You might end up walking like I was, right? But it, listen, it, it, will, it will allow you to do some amazing things. Remember that Saul, the wicked king, was removed because of disobedience. He would not do God's will God's way. He tried to do God's will his way, and he was removed. But when David came on the scene, David had a heart that said, God, I want to do your will your way. And David's heart and priority led him to act. Look at Acts chapter Chapter 13, verse number 36, it says, For David, after he had served his own generation, how did he do that? By the will of God. He served the people of his generation by the will of God. And it's no different for you, and it's no different for me. Your priority will lead your practice. Let me say that again. Priority leads Practice. That means whatever you're doing on a consistent basis will come out of that priority in your life. And like we talked about, your heart sets that. That's where, can I, can I just lay out the priorities for you for a second? Okay, number one priority is God. Amen, right? Number two priority, if you're married, is your spouse. Number three priority is if you have children, they are after your spouse. Do not elevate your children above your spouse. You're going to have a bad marriage if you do that, okay? If you don't have a spouse but you have kids, they come second, all right? Number four is your job. In other words, you have to provide for your family, provide for your needs. You've got financial obligations, that sort of a thing. got to provide for your children. The Bible says those that don't provide for the members of their own household are worse than an infidel. That's pretty strong language, so you better go to work and take care of your family. That's your priority. And then after that comes your ministry. Well, wait, I thought God was first. Ministry is not God. A lot of people miss time with God so that they can do things for God. I know that's like a little weird to think about for some of you guys, but ministry comes out of a life that has priorities in order. Now, let me show you how this works, okay? Because sometimes we get this off and we say, well, wait, it's hard to focus on marriage when God is my priority, but then I, I've got ministry obligations and, and I need to raise the kids, so what do I do? Here's how you do it. God is number one, and then in your marriage, God is number one, and then with your children, God is number one. And then with your job, God is number one. Are you listening? Are you noticing a pattern yet? In your job, God is number one. And then in your ministry, God is number one. And then in all of your pursuits, sports, health, education, any of those things, those are not bad things. But those come after the right priorities. And even in those things, if you're, if you're a sports fan, God's number one in sports. I'm not going to divide over whether or not they like the Bears or the 49ers or the Lakers or the Dodgers. Come on, somebody. California is celebrating right now. But here's the deal. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because the angel fan is over there going, I don't like the Dodgers, right? 
But listen, when God's number one, hey, it's a game. It bears no bearing on my future because my heart, my life is set in Jesus Christ. That's the priority. It's just fun. It's just something entertaining on the side. But God's number one in all things. I'm getting healthy so that I can serve the Lord strong all the days of my life. Not so that I can post a nude selfie on Instagram. Come on, nobody needs to see that. I'm not looking at anybody. I don't even jump on Instagram. Priority leads practice. What we value will determine our actions. If we value God, then his word will be the priority of our life. And with that, the practice of prayer will come out of us. The practice of tithing will come out of us. The practice of going to church will come out of us. The practice of witnessing will come out of us. Why? Because God is number one in all things. Can anybody say amen and give God a clap and a shout? (laughs) Hallelujah. Last thing, last thing is this. Priority will move you along. You won't get stopped when disappointments and circumstances, trials and temptations happen. Note the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Here they are. And the Jews reject the message. And they didn't sit down and have a debate. They didn't argue with them. They didn't try and fight them or outwit them or any of those things. What did they do? They said, you don't want it? Fine, we're moving on. Why? Because the priority is to get the message out there. It's not to argue everyone into submission and win the argument. That is not the priority. The priority is, is that we are to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, deliver what God has given to us, and then whether people accept it or reject it, hey, that's between them and God. We love them, we pray for them, but I'm not going to sit down and argue somebody trying to get to win an argument. Listen, you can win the argument and lose the sale. Remember one time I was uh, heading out with my buddies. We used to go everywhere with our guitars. We'd take our guitars everywhere we went. We were meeting a new friend uh, over at a coffee shop in Riverside. And so we drove down there and brought our guitars out and sat down. And we were just kind of hanging out. And a guy came up and saw the guitar and said, hey, you got an axe in there? I said, yeah, yeah, I got an axe in there. You know, and some of you guys say, why do you say an axe? It's a guitar. It's, a, it's, it's another word for guitar, okay, in case you didn't know that. But here we are. And he says, you know any classical gas? Now, I was raised by hippies, and so I know what that song is, right? And so I said, oh, yeah, yeah. So I broke out the guitar and started to play a little bit. And he said, do you mind if I play? I said, by all means, you know. And so let him play. And so he was actually quite good. So I grabbed one of my buddy's guitars, and we were jamming, playing, having a good time. And the guys realized that we were all together, that we all liked playing music and that sort of a thing. And I said, what, what do you guys do? You know, what are you guys doing here? Now, that to me is always an open door. You're going to ask me about my life, you're going to hear about Jesus. Because that's all my life is about. And so... At that moment, I said, oh, I got him, you know, like, here we go. I said, well, we're all Christians. We're in a Christian band. And, you know, at the time we were playing, that's actually how I met Pastor Jessica. We came and played here at the youth group at The Rock over at the old building. And so, uh, you know, at the time, we were traveling around doing that sort of a thing. And I said, well, you know, we're all Christians. We all love Jesus. And wh- what about you? Are you a Christian? You know, it's, it's just an open door for me. It's just so simple. God opens those doors. We just walk right through them. And this guy started to remember, remember, you can tell someone's priority by what comes out of them. Started to talk about how he worked for a local Christian organization. And that Christian organization had a set of moral code of conduct. This man was living with his girlfriend and had a child outside of wedlock. And because of that, they held to their moral code of conduct. Now, whether you think that's right or wrong doesn't matter. They were holding to their moral values, which I would agree with. And I would say amen to. You need to do that. If that's what your moral code of conduct is, hey, then that's that's the, the terms and that's what's agreed on. Right? You say, well, isn't that mean? And what if they lost his soul? Well, listen, it doesn't mean they didn't love him, right? And and that's a whole other message, and we'll talk about that in a moment. 
But see, here he was. He was bitter and angry because this Christian organization let him go. And he says, I was so angry with the guy that I could have just jumped over the table and beat the snot out of him. And he says, and I don't know about this whole God thing because, you know, how could God ask Abraham to slay his son Isaac? And what a stupid fool Abraham was. How could he go and be ready to slay his son? See, this man didn't know the scriptures that in the book of Hebrews, it gives us insight into what was going on in Abraham's heart. Abraham had such a heart and a priority of God that he said, well, wait a second. If God promised that my seed would be called through Isaac and I slay him and burn him to ash as a sacrifice, then God will raise him up out of the ashes somehow and God's promise will remain true. That was the heart that Abraham had. He was a faith-filled man and he wasn't going to let anything stop him from following and obeying God because obedience followed the priority. And so that was the heart and mind that Abraham had. He believed God. He believed God so much that he said, well, if I kill him, hey, then this guy's going to, he's going to come up out of the ashes somehow. But God didn't have that heart. God didn't want him to slay his son. God wanted to test Abraham's heart and show what was in him and prove the thing so that God could get him in that place of blessing and being the father of faith, which he is. And so here this man didn't understand these things. And I realized this guy is closed off to the gospel. This guy has bitterness. I didn't try and argue with him. I didn't try and teach him. I didn't try and do anything. I just said, hey, why don't we play classical gas again? And we continued to play. We had a good time playing. And at the end of the day, we said goodnight. I told him, hey, if you're ever around, look us up, you know, and we continued on. See, sometimes people get hung up on the thing that they say, well, I have to win the sale. I have to win them to the Lord. I have to do this. And that's why we get so intimidated by witnessing. But God never said you have to win everybody. You will not save everyone. Jesus is the Savior, all right? Not you, not me. We are the servants. We are the ones who go out and do what God has called us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we leave the results to God. Whether or not they're one or not, hey, listen, if you obey God and you follow what God says to do, and then leave that as your priority and say, okay, here's the message, this is it. When you realize they're rejecting it, move on. You say, that's so cold-hearted. They're going to die and go to hell. Maybe, but listen, the story's not over yet. You say, well, what do I do in the meantime? Love them. Pray for them. And wait until God opens the door again. Because it may be that you've shared the gospel and they said, don't preach to me at one time. But then when their life falls apart, they say, hey, you know what? I could use some preaching right now. And they'll be looking you up to find out about God. And if you leave the door open and love them and pray for them, then God will use you. Maybe, maybe he'll use another laborer somewhere down the road. Someone else will come along and reap that harvest. I plant another waters, but God gets the increase. Our job is to move on because there are people that in the middle of the night are up and they're praying and they're crying and they're saying, God, would you send someone to show me that I'm not alone? God, would you send someone to love on me? God, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? And you are the answer to someone's midnight cry. You are the one that God is selecting and sending to a lost and dying world. There are people out there that want God. They want the gospel. They want the love of Jesus. Jesus, and you are the conduit that God wants to use. And if you're wasting time dividing over red and blue and black and white, then you're going to miss out on the blessings of God. God wants to use you. God wants your priority to be him. And God wants to raise you up. And as you walk in obedience, then God will go out and he will save souls, change lives, build his church, and God will move in your life. And the blessings of God will follow joy and the Holy Spirit that the disciples were filled with. 
Can we pray together today? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. God, we're so grateful that, Lord, you have shown us our priority. Today we set our hearts, Lord, to follow you. We set our hearts on obedience, God, to whatever you call us to do and whatever you tell us to do. And God, as Jesus said, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear in pieces. God, we stay on mission. We stay on course. Oh, Lord, we look past the things of this world. We're not going to let a religious, cold-hearted person stop us. If they don't want it, we'll move on, God. We're not going to give those things that are holy and precious to us. To those that are unholy. And who would discard those things, cast them into the mud, and then turn and tear us into pieces. Lord, we look to those that want your love, your gospel, your goodness, and your truth. Lead on, Holy Spirit. Show us where the fruitful field is that we can sow the word of God and it will be received with gladness, joy, and the Holy Spirit. As we're in this holy moment, would you just pray and ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me? God may have already spoken to your heart during the message. If you haven't already written it down, would you just take a moment and commit it to a note? Write it down. I know if I don't write stuff down, I'll forget it, and I don't want you to forget. God, what are you speaking to me? Just pray that prayer, and as God speaks to you, commit it to a note. Commit it to memory. Come on, if you're watching online, this is not a television show. You're participating in church right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask God, God, what are you speaking to me? Holy Spirit, would you just come and minister to me right now? I need to hear your word. I need to hear your voice. And then listen for that still, small whisper. If you received a word from the Lord, you wrote it down, why not share it with somebody? Maybe your spouse you're there with your family, your children, and share it with them. If it's appropriate and you want to put it in the comment section online, you can. Maybe you're here with a faith-filled friend and that you trust, and you just say, hey, God spoke this to me. It brings accountability, but also it brings agreement. And there's power in agreement. There's power when we link up our faith with others. And they say, yeah, I'll believe God with you for that. Hey, I'll remind you, I'll keep you accountable to that. I'll pray for you, and I'll help you if you need help. Go ahead and share that right now if you'd like. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, the word that you've committed to our hearts, we commit back into your care. We ask for grace, God, your ability, your strength to carry out the will and the way of God. As we set our hearts, as we obey, 
as we allow those priorities to move us along. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.